Welcome to the Naked Wine Podcast. Where we love to drink fermented grape juice in its simplest, most naked form. We're talking natural wine, people. We're your hosts, Remington Real and Kendra Mariah, and we'll be taking you down the natty wine rabbit hole of the Los Angeles wine scene. We got the inside scoop on all the best wine shops, restaurants, wine distributors, and importers around the LA area who are repping that natty juice that we can't drink enough of. So cheers, and remember, go go natty or go go home. Cheers, and welcome to the Naked Wine Podcast, episode number eight. Episode eight, welcome everybody, listeners, viewers. We have an amazing guest today with us, um, a dear, dear friend of mine, Allie Balin. Hi, Allie. Hi. You have some sip on. Woo! So quick cheers, everybody. Virtual cheers. I'm sure this is not our first time. Love that. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'll let um, Miss or Allie take it away. I mean, you guys have, there's a lot of history between the two of you guys, but I'm super stoked to have you on. And um, you got a super cool new venture coming up amongst a million things. So um, let's hear about it. Let's hear about Allie. Yeah. Yeah. Allie, why don't you just start kind of a letting us and the listeners know how you got into the wine world and uh, what you're up to today. Sure. Um, So initially, I really didn't like wine very much. I mean, I drank it, but it was more like, you know, you drank it fast to get drunk. And that was that was it. Um, Yeah. And I would just like take what my parents had from their cellar. Luckily, they had some good stuff. So but I was really into beer initially. And um, I moved to New York, I got my master's at NYU in world history, my focus was in food studies. And while I was there, I worked at a bunch of different restaurants, mostly beer oriented restaurants. So I got really into that. Um, And then I moved to Nashville to open up my own restaurant. And in the process of doing that got like super into wine. Um, I started working at a restaurant while I was opening my own restaurant that was um, really wine oriented and they offered classes and a friend of mine, we decided that we were going to take the level um, one sommelier exam. Awesome. Yeah, so we did and um, it was interesting. I didn't know anything. Um, so I learned a lot from that. And and when was this? This was like, you took WSET one in Nashville? Yeah, I did that in Nashville. Um, I actually, we drove to Birmingham, um, <laughs> or not Birmingham, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, okay. um, to take the, take the test, um, which was cool. It was like, the level one test is great because it's really just a class. It's you taste a lot of things and you listen to like master psalms teach you about all this really great wine stuff. And so, yeah, so I did that. I passed, luckily. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was nerve wracking for sure. And then I decided because I was opening my own restaurant that I was just going to keep on going and take the level two and learn as much as I could about wine. Um, and so luckily while I was sourcing for my restaurant, I was also, I was doing tastings with distributors. And so I was able to like taste a lot, so many wines, um, before my level two exam, which was great because there's a tasting part of it and it's hard. (laughs) And like the thing you can do is just like 
taste as many wines as you possibly can. Um, so it's, yeah, it was cool. It's um, amazing. That's like my dream to have distributors be coming to me with their portfolios and tasting through them on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. And um, like got a little too drunk sometimes. And <laughs> Happens. Um, but it was fun. And that really helped me with the level two exam, which I did in Louisville, um, Kentucky. And cool. that, that's exponentially harder than the level one, um, like exponentially harder. And then the level three is exponentially harder than that. And so, and so on, you know, but so yeah, then, then um, just, I owned a restaurant in Nashville and through the restaurant, I, tasted a ton of wines. I developed, you know, the whole beverage list. Um, I had a bar manager who did the cocktails and, but I did all the beer and wine and um, just got to try like the coolest wines and kind of further honed in on the like direction of my palate, which was definitely more like low intervention wines, um, lighter wines with more nuance. Um, wines that go really nicely with food and mm -hmm. you know so um and maybe jumping ahead of myself here but why why originally do you think you like it's not like you're like oh natural wine i only want to drink natural wine but you, you said your palate was kind of like starting to form that way was it just because it like paired much nicer with food you thought well okay so first off i studied food studies so i know mm -hmm. i learned a lot about industrial farming and like the detriment of pesticides and that's also something and and just yeah. like crazy farming practices and that's something that also applies in the wine industry too i mean people so you know for me i was always cognizant of that and then just from these tastings like i would try kind of more off the beaten path varietals and i'm like oh this is fantastic like this is so great and and um, I don't know, I just think for a lot of people, and you guys might feel the same way, it's like, you just try, you're, you try more of these lighter bodied, like, wines where you can really taste where they're coming from. And it's just, it's like, it's like a revelation, you know? Totally. Um, and oh, game changer. Lighter, lighter, lighter <laughs> bodied, like, like this. Yeah, <laughs> I say that I don't like some bolder wines too, but I like tasting the terroir and where they come from, and you and you can like taste the story of the wine when you're drinking it. You know, some of these yep. like wines out there are just like huge, massive fruit bombs, and you're not really getting to like the heart of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're you're t you're speaking our language. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. De I, definitely <laughs> like, one of us. Yeah, so it's like a combination of just like the trajectory of tasting all these wines and being like, okay, this is definitely what I gravitate towards. I also was opening an oyster bar and so our, our menu is primarily seafood and vegetable oriented. And so it wow. wasn't like the big Napa cabs that went well with the food on our menu. It was, yeah. the, you know, your gamets, um, you, you know. And so, um, so yeah, it's just, that's kind of just, how it all happened. <laughs> Is that restaurant still there? Oh, that. Oh, yeah. It's still there. My, it's, um, yeah, it's a fantastic restaurant. And my business what? partner was nominated. What's it called? It's called Henrietta Red. Nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my business partner was nominated last year for Best Chef Southeast for James Beard. And yeah, they're doing, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. everyone's had their challenges 
during the pandemic, but um, totally. they've That's so awesome. Yeah, they're still there doing their thing. So, <laughs> so actually, the the wine I'm drinking right now. So, Allie, for listeners out there, I think I mentioned this in our very first episode. I kind of got into natural wine from Allie. Um, I spent mm-hmm. with her in Nashville, super fun, a long Thank time you. ago. And um, the, actually, this wine was one of my favorites that you introduced me to. I'm drinking the Biracino Petnat here. Oh, cool. The lovely, unfiltered, very floral, dry bubbles. Um, so, yeah, fun. That, 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 that one is what, Santa Cruz area? Monterey, I think. So, they have a tasting room in Santa Cruz, but they- you're right. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's like Salinas, right? Is they have a tasting room in downtown Santa Cruz, but they source their grapes primarily from um, like the Central Valley and um, yeah. okay. Valley. Huh? Yeah. Cool. Have you been there in that tasting room in Santa Cruz? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's nice. It's a cute little like right near downtown Santa Cruz, a little outdoor. Yeah, it's it's definitely a recommend. Definitely, Santa Cruz is super funky, and like there's no shortage yeah. of like great new and like. People who have been there for a long time, like uh, natural winemakers, there's a bunch of new great products like Margins coming out of there and Flores Wines and... Yeah, there's a um, Yeah, I love Santa Cruz. We live in Lake Tahoe, but I'm like, if I ever was a gazillionaire, I'd I'd want a house in Santa Cruz too. Yeah, yeah. It's got the beach. It's got the funk. It's got some natural wines. It's got some vineyards. Yeah. What are you sipping on, Allie? Um, so this is, this is a pet nat from a, um, winery called Jay Bricks. Mm. Um, so it's a husband and wife duo based out of San Diego. Um, it's, they're grapes from San Diego County and they also get, um, some from Santa Barbara and, um, might be a few other places, but this is really cool. It's a Riesling pet nat, um, and they named it, I can't pronounce the name, it's like Colum. They named their wines Latin names from this particular vineyard, um, but it means goblin. And they call, because huh. they call Riesling like little goblin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it can be punchy, it can be sweet, it can be dry, it can be zippy. I mean, it's a little goblin, you never, it's like. It's a, it's a little shifty grape. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit more, um, because I have some family that hear Riesling and they're like, oh, no, ungodly sweet, can't. And I'm like, oh, but wait. So tell us about the Little Goblin. What's like? What's it tasting like? I love Riesling. And it is a very big misconception that Riesling is only sweet. Um, sweet Riesling is great. I mean, there's some, there's some. Yeah. I mean, with all varietals, there's some not great stuff, but, you know, it's fantastic um, sweet, but there's also so much of it that's dry. So it's, it's just kind of a misconception that it's only sweet wine. Um, and give us and, the, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, give us a, cause you're like open up a restaurant. I'm sure you have great food pairings. Give us the dry Riesling and the sweet Riesling like food pairing that comes to mind. Well, I mean, Riesling with like a cheese plate is always really fantastic. Something creamy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like at like we were just in Sonoma and for dessert, I I got the cheese and Riesling pairing and it was so good. Wow, um, so European. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, you Plate know. can be dinner, as I argue all the time with Mark, my husband. And dessert. And a starter. Cheese plate can be starter, dinner, and dessert. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah, and then, you know, that. well, so Riesling really, it's it's got a really pronounced acidity, um, you know, specifically German Riesling, um, like, comes, you know, high altitudes. It's got this incredible acidity, um, sometimes like a petrol, oftentimes really, like a petrol kind of flavor to it this has that it's like it's very you know on varietal in terms of the flavor profile but yeah dry riesling kind of like gruners and things too it, it can go with a it's a great food wine because of that acidity it makes your mouth water so yeah i mean like spicy foods riesling's actually great with spicier foods it's great with um like asian foods and things that you know have a little bit more of like a really pronounced flavor profile. Um, so yeah, I love Riesling and everyone yeah, else loves it too, it's good. That's a great, great point. Spicy ethnic food <laughs> or maybe even a, you know, Nashville, Nashville hot chicken sandwich. <laughs> Riesling, yeah, or right like, point. or like what grows together goes together. Like some sausage and yeah. like, you know. So. There we go. Love that. What grows together <laughs> goes together. So, all right. So you were in Nashville, but now you are in Lake Tahoe, yeah. which is awesome. And so tell us what you are up to now in your exciting new business venture. Yeah. So I, um, my husband and I moved out here a little over a year ago before like the pandemic, which was kind of crazy. Um, and I've been doing restaurant consulting primarily, but we really always wanted to open up a distribution business, um, an import and distribution business. Mm. And, um, Reno. So we live in Lake Tahoe on the, on the North side of the lake. It's on the Nevada side of the lake. And Reno is kind of the biggest area next to us. Um, Carson city is right near us too. And it has the capital. Um, it is the capital and there's a lot of tech companies coming to the area. And because of COVID, there's been a lot of folks moving from the Bay area. So, people who kind of are used to drinking, you know, uh, some of these wine bars that maybe have a little bit more of a variety. And so there's really a demand for kind of more low intervention wines and artisanal and smaller producer, um, smaller production wines. And so we kind of just saw like an opportunity. There was a lot, there's a lot of importers and wineries here that I really love that I worked with in Nashville and they, they weren't represented and we're like, let's do it. Let's bring them, let's bring them to our, you know, community. So yeah, we're really excited about it. And, and it's called, what's it called? So it's called Balin Beverage Co. B-A-L-I-N Beverage Co. Nice. Balin Beverage Co. And you have both your importing and your distribution license and distribution for Nevada. Yeah. So, um, as of now, Nevada, we want to get our license for California because, um, if you've been to Lake Tahoe before, it's kind of split down the middle between the mm -hmm. Nevada and California side of the lake. One foot and, in each state. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's, uh, you know, South Lake Tahoe, which is probably the biggest community on the lake is primarily California. And this little area called Truckee, um, which has a lot of great restaurants is California too. So, we want to get our California license eventually too, and we'll sell on both sides. Nice. That's, that's so exciting. That's am amazing. Like 
from the little wine knowledge and little time thinking about a possible career in the industry, the thing that jumps out at me is having my own importing company. That sounds like a dream. And maybe you can talk about it a little bit more. It's probably not this fantasy that I, this Disney fantasy I've dreamt up in my head of traveling the world <laughs> and forming relationships with wonderful winemakers who like take care of their land and like would love to get their product into the United States and then representing them and then distributing it. It's, it sounds too real to be true or is it? Just tell us a little bit about your experience this far. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think with anything, it's, um, there's like wonderful sides to it. And also there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, not negative necessarily, but just like challenges to overcome, you know, for instance, right now, a lot of the importers that we're working with are dealing with like crazy lags and shipping. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's, I'm sure just a big headache for them in terms of getting the product to their clients. Yeah. Um, to start these businesses is a lot of effort and a lot of work. Um, alcohol is obviously heavily regulated and, um, you know, cities, states, the country, they want to get their piece of the pie from it. Um, and so it's taxed heavily, you know, for us in terms of getting our license, I, I had to apply for a license to distribute and, every single county in the area i had to apply for a federal permit to mm. import and then i have to apply for my state permit to do the same within the county which i live in washoe county which includes reno it actually stretches all the way to idaho it's a massive it's a massive county wow. um, and i had to get a license in washoe um washoe county so reno specifically then I had to get a license in unincorporated Washoe, which is where I live in Lake Tahoe. And then I had to get another license for another area of Washoe County called Sparks. And then I had to get a license for Carson City. I have to get a license for, I don't know if I have to get one for Douglas County. I'm still like working. It's, I've gotten mixed information about that. Anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of effort and the paperwork is not straightforward. It's you, I, these people, you know, at the county and the state probably want to murder me because every day I'm like, what about this? How do I feel? <laughs> because if you mess it up, like you're kind of, you're screwed. It's like a big deal. There's Jeez. a lot of regulation, you know, like they, I had to put up, you know, you have to get a, um, what's it called? What is, I, it's like $50,000 that you have to have. I, you can get a, oh, it's a surety bond. I, did, I got a surety bond so that I could, if you don't pay your taxes, if you don't give whoever else, the state, the county, cuts. your pie, then they're, they're going to take it from you, however which way they can. And then you like won't be able to distribute again. You get your license taken away. It's like, my word. there's a lot of bureaucracy. It sounds what? like a hot mess. <laughs> what? What's been, so if you just had to get one, an importing license or a distribution for your area of Northern Nevada, what's easier? It's honestly not hard to get, it's the same process to get both. So it's mm -hmm. not, you know, maybe there's like a little bit more paperwork because of the distribution or the import license, but it's, it's if you're gonna get a distribution license, I, 
I don't see really the big. You might as well. You might as well get the import license. Mm -hmm. I think personally, we're direct importing some wines through a company called Paris Wine Co. Um, to the United States. So we had to get uh, an import um, permit to do that. The thing about importing, and I'll say this is especially, I mean, there's, I'm sure there are a ton of wonderful wineries still out there that have yet to be discovered or just starting and they're gonna be fantastic. And so, you know, I never wanna discourage anyone from going into importing, but a lot of that market has been tapped. Like, especially- especially in places like Europe, like a lot of that market has been gobbled up. And, but you know, there's, there's folks who are importing a lot of really wonderful wines. Tess Bryant, who we're working with is importing wines from Australia, really mm -hmm. great wines from Australia. Um, you know, there's, there's um, new world, the new world is there's yeah. opportunity. A lot know. of Chilean wines I've been seeing all over the place. And mm -hmm. Argentina, South African, um, you know, there's even in the United States, there's some Mexico, but I'd like to see more. Yeah, from, you know, we had we went to Mexico City for my 30th birthday. And we're like, we're only gonna drink Mexican wine. And they're fantastic. So great. Like, people, there's cool people doing cool stuff all over. It's got to discover them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's like kind of the romantic side of it is like, you think you're going to go out and you're going to find these people yeah. and like you, you know, you, you may, and then you might have like the best day of your life where you're drinking these incredible wines. And then like, they're making you the best meal, the homemade meal you've ever <laughs> had. And like that stuff's really cool. And I feel like the passionate folks in the wine industry are very giving and like, it's just an infectious energy. So when you encounter those people, it's just like so cool, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So. Well, I guess now I'm curious, like, how do you and Nick with Balin Beverage Co. like curate your winemakers? Like what goes into, to, um, you know, just like figuring out what wines you want to represent, what you want to be like a part of your portfolio? Yeah, so I mean, we had, we had kind of a like ethos from the beginning like we're only going to sell things that we really enjoy drinking that we're passionate about. You know, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm not that person who can just bullshit my way through stuff. Like it would be very disingenuous for me to try to sell something that I didn't personally enjoy. So yeah. So, yeah. So like I, um, so basically luckily for my relationship with a lot of folks in, at my restaurant in Nashville, I, I was already familiar with a lot of these importers and winemakers that I knew I wanted to work with. Birikino is a perfect example. I sold the shit out of that pet nat in Nashville. I loved it. Huh. You sold me. <laughs> so when I'm like thinking about who do we want to work with, you know, we made a list and um, luckily in, re in the Northern Nevada, so there's two things to consider. In the Northern, in Nevada in general, it is technically a franchise state, but you can work with different distributors. So for instance, I'm working with a lot of folks who are represented in Vegas, but I'm going to work with them in Northern Nevada. Gotcha. But, but people who are already represented in Northern Nevada, like you don't want to be the asshole who steps on toes. So there is already, already some folks I would have liked to have worked with that are already represented here. So those folks are off the table. Um, 
but there was a ton of other people that weren't represented. So I basically, we just made a list, like who, what are the importers that we worked with in Nashville? Who are the wineries that we've, you know, we've worked with, or we've had their wines out to a meal or when we were traveling and we, we love. And so we really just like reached out to everyone. Um, and if we didn't personally know them, then we, you know, some of the distributors in Nashville are very good friends of mine and they were, and they were already representing them. So they sent intro emails so that we weren't like the random people from <laughs> Tahoe, you know? Um, so that's kind of, that's how we developed our list. And it just so happens that most of them, most of the people, the importers, the wine that we're selling happens to be low intervention and sustainably, you know, made farmed, um, wines. Nice. Um, I'm sure, you know, all the, all the wines and winemakers in your portfolios are your babies. So we love them all equally, but tell us, tell us one or tell us about one that maybe you're excited about that. You just like put in your portfolio recently or a longstanding winemaker or somebody like that, that our listeners need to know about. Yeah. So one that I actually never had worked with before because they came to Nashville after I'd left is this company called Eclecticon and they um, import Greek natural wines from Greece. Mm. The gentleman who started it, his name is Aris and he's super cool and very, very passionate. And he's basically like, you know, expanded the natural wine movement in Greece and has kind of like turned some of these farmers on to you know, farmers, winemakers on to um, doing things sustainably and naturally. And um, so I'm super excited about his wines and I'm like going to spread the gospel of the natural Greek wines. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, we're working, Paris Wine Company is one that I mentioned um, and they basically, they're, based out of Paris and they work with a bunch of different winemakers there and we were gonna import the wines from them and they just work with like the wines we've you know had from them are just and just so good like so so yeah. good. vintage 59 is another is a winemaker that I worked with when I was in Nashville and loved their wines there and then so excited to work with them here bomb where's vintage 59 is it, are they making wine in Tennessee? So they're an importer and they, and they mm. primarily from France. They have like, I think I kept two bottles on my list the whole time that the um, restaurant was open. And one of them was their Gil Gilbert Jubilee. Um, it was like the best Jubilee ever. And um, perfect seafood yeah. wine. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they just have an incredible portfolio. Um, Tess Bryant, I'm really excited about there's, we just were in Sonoma and, and added on a few more winemakers to the list of folks we're representing. One of them is this guy named Ryan Pass. He's the winemaker at Barella. Yeah. You know Pax him? Wines. Pass. P-A-S-S. Oh, never mind. Well, <laughs> look up Pax Wines as well. See if P-A-X, I think he's in Sonoma. He has a tasting room in Sebastopol. Oh, cool. Anyway, yeah. But tell us about Pass. <laughs> yeah. So this guy's in Napa. Um, and I'm, you know, I will never say like, I'll never drink Napa wines or I'll never drink, you know, like that's totally ridiculous because there's good wines everywhere and it's absurd to like say, you know, something's like yeah. not. Um, but 
you know, I generally don't gravitate towards those wines is what I'll say. And so warmer growing region. Yeah. They're just very big, big, bold wines. Um, and it's you in the face. (laughs) Bombs. Um, and not all of them, a hundred percent, not all of them, but Mm -hmm. anyway, so Ryan and Pharrell are like fighting the good. Pharrell has been around and has been fighting the good fight for a long time. And Ryan is um, the winemaker there, but he's also started his own project. And it's like, I'm tasting Chardonnay from Napa and I'm obsessed with it. And I never thought I would say that really. But wow. And he harvests, he harvests early, they pick early. And so the wines are just like bright and it's an elegant and, um, and probably not aged heavily with oak, I'm guessing. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, I don't think any of his thing. Uh, he might do some a little bit, but um, no, it's primarily um, no, primarily not. And which, uh, is, which is hard because I sold oak barrels to wineries for two years of my life. So I was like on the train, in love with it, and then when I stepped back and ended that job and really got into naturals, I tell us why maybe you prefer. Like, I like a little oak once in a while, but tell us maybe why, or maybe you don't. Tell us about your preference on oak. I mean, I think that I'm not anti-oak. I just think that it oftentimes masks a lot of other, mm-hmm. kind of the flavor, like the the tewa. I hate, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what I would say. This. I, feel I like would agree. Sushi, but it just like, I I like wines that, I'm transported to a place and I'm like, I taste and I'm like, I'm here, I'm in this vineyard. Like I can feel the air, you know, like I can feel this. Totally. And I think when you heavily oak things that it can, it can kind of take away from that. But there's times where if you oak things, it can enhance those. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a, there's a tasteful way to do it without making it overpowering. Yeah, and it just depends on the grape. It depends on the vintage. Like it depends, you know, like depends what happened that year and like how the how the grapes what what they're tasting like, like what what's going on, you know. So yeah, it's um, I'm not anti it, but it's I I don't drink like a lot of super oaky wines, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I totally agree. I love what you're saying. I feel like it just can vary. It has to be done delicately or it just so distracts from the story, like kind of what you're saying. You want to feel like you're transported. And I'm the same way. Like when I when I have a sip of my wine, I'm like, oh, what's the story here? Like what's what's this like thing that's happening? And I think sometimes it's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> a lot of times you're transported to, oh, American oh, no, oak. <laughs> American oak. Um, vanilla. Yeah. Coconut you know, caramel. You're in a little oak barrel somewhere, yeah. <laughs> which is hard i love i loved oak for so long <laughs> i didn't know that about you remington that's really interesting <laughs> yeah so primarily the distilleries and then some wineries oh that's cool yeah they're also making really cool merlots and i like hate when people like say i don't drink merlot like the sideways yeah. thing yeah, I I agree. merlot there's so much good merlot out there and yeah. Are you talking about pa- Pass again, Pass uh, Winery? I'm sorry, what? Are you talking about Pass Winery again? Yeah, he's doing, cool. yeah, and I think Ferella does one too. They, I think they grow Merlot and yeah, they're just like, I think for Pass's Merlot, he does Carbonic. So it's like really mm-hmm. juicy. I'm cool. so into the juicy, chillable, yeah. right now I'm just I'm, like, 
Totally. And with summer coming up, I know yeah. I don't have a, a ton of time left, but you're hitting on all these amazing terms and we kind of covered some in the past, but give us the carbonic lowdown real quick. Yeah. So carbonic maceration is basic. Uh, you, I'm looking at your gamay shirt and it's something that they do <laughs> often in Beaujolais, but it's, it's basically when fermentation happens inside of the grape and it, and it produces these, it just makes it like juicier and, um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it just makes it, you know, they, they term like glue glue, a little bit more like glue gluey and, um, softer yeah. tannins. Totally. Very juicy. And which well, is, might be kind of nice expression on a Merlot from like a warm climate like Napa. That'd be really interesting to taste. That'd be like the exact opposite of what our parents were drinking through the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Dying to, dying to try it. Yeah, for sure. No, so we only have a couple minutes left, and I just really want to make sure that we get to shout you out, Allie, and shout out um, Balin Beverage Co. So, like, how can we and our listeners and viewers support you guys best right now? Um, I, I don't – it's so – with distribution, it's so hard because it's, like, a very community-based – Totally. Thing. So if you are – if you're a restaurant owner or a retailer of any sort in – Nevada and northern Nevada right now then um you know hit us up we've got we've we've got wine to sell when the, you know our licensing is supposed to come through um in uh in a few weeks so once that happens we're ready to go nice <laughs> and um it's kind of like hit or miss with how often the distribution stamp or sticker like makes it onto the wine yeah. Is that your choice? Could you, do you have that choice? Yeah. So for, well, for imports, it depends. Like if you direct import something, then I think you, yeah, like it always, yeah, you you have the option We're you know, we're right now we're just direct importing from Paris wine co and they've become a pretty relatively recognizable brand in the community. And so like it, it benefits us technically totally. to that. So like, we're not, we don't care about, I love it. I don't know. Well, I, we're coming, we're coming down I would, to seconds. I, Remington, we're coming down to seconds here. So I want to make sure that we can do a good sign off. Um, so yes, please support Balin Beverage Co. Allie is amazing. Her husband is so amazing. Uh, they have a website. It's BalinBeverageCo.com. They're on Instagram. And Allie, thank you so much for being with us. You are just like a wealth of knowledge and I, uh, I just like love your approach and passion for wine and, and I love you. I know I want you on more often. I know. Cause... I'm sorry that we're, we're counting down here, but um, thank you again. You're amazing. And uh, let's do this soon. Yay. All right. Here. All right. We need, a, we need another cheers. Cheers. Cheers, fam. All Woo! right. Thanks for coming on, Allie. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Allie. You're the best. Cheers. Go Natty or go home. Woo! Peace out.